Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? At More to Be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of More to Be, host of the More to Be podcast, and I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. On today's episode, I'm joined again by my friend and co-host Kaylee Kelch. Welcome, Kaylee. How are you today? I'm good. It's so good to be back. It's been a few weeks since we've been able to connect like this, so it's always nice to talk and catch up and ultimately study God's Word together, though. Right, and I love that you use the keyword, connect, because this season has been about, so far, it's been about connecting and building relationships, and so we kind of kicked off that concept in that first episode when we were talking about true connected relationships. Mm-hmm. And we ended up going into all sorts of deep scripture places, but didn't really unpack the acronym. Right. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to unpack this unique acronym called TRUE. TRUE stands for Trust, Respect, Understanding, and Empathy. And it actually comes from the horseman world, the horsemanship. Uh, there, I don't know who the originator of the concept is, but I've seen it in various locations. And, and the use of TRU for trust, respect, understanding in terms of building relationships between horses and people. So in a training concept. And then my friend Shelly added the E onto it. And so she uses the, the words trust, respect, understanding, empathy, not only for connecting with the horses at her farm, and most of the horses are rescue horses, but also with people. And so when we circle up for what's called care crew, and we're working with kids as young as like kindergarten age up until post-grad, we circle up and we talk about how we're here to build a community that is rooted in trust, respect, understanding, and empathy, and seeing God as the model for that, Mm -hmm. seeing Jesus and his example as uh, what we're trying to follow in, in putting this into action, trust, respect, understanding, and empathy. Well, and I think in today's society, we are really struggling with um, true connection. Yeah. Like I'm going to use the, the acronym, but, but from the standpoint that um, you'll hear people say, well, we're the most connected generation because we have all of the social media. And so everybody can, you know, across the world, you can connect. And I'm using air quotes here yeah. with people from all over the place. And we've even, you know, we have listeners on the podcast who are, in different continents. And yet we're lacking in this connection of this face-to-face connection in this sense of community. Um, I haven't read it yet, but Brene Brown has a whole um, book out and work on how our generation is actually the most lonely generation. Yes. Um, And I was just, I just finished reading not that long ago, Growing Young, which is from the Fuller Youth Institute. Mm -hmm. Good place. And it's all on um, helping churches to grow young, meaning involving young people and keeping them engaged in the church. And it was so interesting to me that um, half of the stuff, you know, that we think about, well, the preaching or the style of worship music or, or that kind of stuff that, that is going to keep kids involved. Mm-hmm. It was very low on the percentage scale. And it had to do with the warmth of the community and the connection that they made and the relationships that they formed with the adults that kept them involved. And, and it just solidified to me because you and I are so, we talk about this all the time, yeah. the mentoring side and how important mentoring is. 
And it was like, I was just, as I was reading, I was cheering, you know, (laughs) because I'm like, yes, yes, this is what we need is we need to be diving into these relationships and walking alongside people um, and walking alongside kids so that they know that they belong. We all want that sense of belonging. And that comes from connecting with each other. Right. And, and in a relationship context, yes, not just this one dimensional, I liked your post. And so I know what's going on in your life, Exactly, but I actually know your feelings and I know your experiences and I know your struggles. And so uh, it's so interesting because I, I often think about how we're, we're digitally cl- connected and socially mm-hmm. isolated. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's that lacking a feeling like we belong to something. One of the things at the farm that happens all the time is when you show up, you get a hug. Like it's a a standard protocol. Uh, And I kind of joke, it's like, there must be something of my Italian family roots because it's, it's a very huggy place. And even the kids who may come into that environment and that's not their way. Right. Weeks and weeks of being there you can't show up there without getting hugged by the girl that you would think would say, talk to the hand and don't come, you know, mm-hmm. at arm's length of me. And that is part of this building of intimacy and connectedness that you can never get across the screen. Well, it breaks down walls and barriers. And actually, so last night, this, again, I'd read the Growing Young book, but we were at church watching a video that was talking about one of the principles. And the speaker um, made this comment that you can download a good sermon, but you can't download a relationship. Yes. And so that's the thing. Like we can download so much and, and, you know, pour into ourselves spiritually without even stepping foot in a church. And yet we cannot download that personal relationship. And I mean, you just describing the farm. Sure, you could, you know, download some self-help book and, and, and walk yourself through what's happening in a physical standpoint of therapy at the farm. Yeah. But there's no way to download the hugs and the personal connections and the time spent with another person who's listening to you. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. It changes. It changes everything. And it's been it so refreshing for me to discover that outside of that boarding school life that I had for 18 years where that was, that was built into it. I mean, we just, we weren't, I wouldn't say we were defined as a huggy group of people, but we spent a lot of time with each other that there was an intimacy in our connection because of the way we were serving alongside each other. And I didn't think I'd ever be able to find something like that again. And so to have the farm has become Mm -hmm. my like hub of feeling connection and belonging that what I love most about it is it's intergenerational. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it breaks across um, like demographic lines. Mm-hmm. So it's not all, all one type of person from one type of place, but it's lots of people coming with lots of different needs and uh, lots of different experiences. And then you find community and unity around common values. So true creates a place of, common values. Like these are the things that we stand for. They're really core values uh, that are relationship values. And it's been super fun to add the word connected onto it. Mm -hmm. That's come out of the equine assisted uh, therapy training that I'm going through. So it's a trauma focused equine, meaning horses assisted Mm -hmm. 
psychotherapy. It's meant to be used in a therapy context. It can be adapted in a coaching context. Okay. Somebody asked me the other day, well, how is that going to work for you, Lisa? Because you're a coach and not a counselor. And so let me just define the difference between mm -hmm. coaching and counseling again, for those who are interested. Uh, counseling is like the archaeologist who's going in for the dig to figure out what happened in the past to establish a healing and a foundation for growing forward. Whereas right. a coach is more like an archaeologist, uh, architect helping that client figure out how they want to grow forward. A counselor uh, should be trained and skilled in mental health mm -hmm. so that there can be a diagnosis and a protocol. So as an equine assisted coach, uh, there may be times that I am working on the equine side of things, working with the horse and will bring into the working situation, the relationship with the therapist. We'll be doing therapy with the counselor, with the, with the client or the participant. Mm -hmm. And there will be times that I'll be working as a coach. It sort of depends upon what the person brings to the table sure. to discern which is needed and what am I qualified to help with. Right. So the reason that this works, people are like, how do horses help people heal? <laughs> right. And we need to establish this as the foundation because it, it is amazing the way when you start thinking about how the brain thinks mm -hmm. and how God made the human brain you could understand the reason why uh, investing in relationships with other human beings is so incredibly valuable. So um, a horse's brain has some similarities to the human brain. Okay. In that, and I, I might've shared this before, but I'm going to do it again. So uh, if, if you're imagining me and not able to see me right now, holding up your, your arm mm -hmm. uh, and creating a fist, and so take your thumb and put it over your palm of your hands and then fold your fingers down on top of your thumb. And so you've got this kind of fist thing going on. Uh, at the bottom level of the brain is the brainstem. That's our fight, flight, uh, and flee. When did I say it right? Fight, flight, flight, and freeze. I always screw that up. Fight, flight, flight and freeze. Okay, so that's the brainstem area. And then the next layer up is the diacephalon. Mm -hmm. And that is your sensory motor. That's where movement can be very therapeutic. Mm. Moving out of brainstem, which is where trauma, when you're afraid and you go into survival mode, you're functioning only in your brainstem. Okay. So when somebody is scared to death and you're like, what's wrong? And they can't answer it. It's because they're not using their top brain. They're in their bottom right. brain and they're stuck in survival mode. Uh, if you can come alongside that person and get them to move, they mm -hmm. move up their brain into their diacephalon. And then the next layer up is the limbic system. And that's your emotions and your ability to identify what you're feeling, not you necessarily what you're feeling, but what you're feeling. Right. And that's also where you begin to develop connections with other human beings. And so then the next layer up, the top layer is the neocortex and that's mm -hmm. your cognitive reasoning ability. And that's where your brain is able to process why and your thought life can change. So that's why, I mean, have you heard, you know, that there's some people when they're struggling with something or scared or whatever, that then wrapping them up kind of in a hug or putting them into like, in a sense, yes. a tight position Yes. Is that, so that would be like the second portion where you were saying the sensory. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, like they can't, 
they're feeling more secure and they're able to move out of their yes. brainstem in that fight or flight or freeze. Oh, that is such a tongue twister. Tongue twister. Yeah. So yes, that is, that is why. And so if you think about a crying baby, what do you do to a crying baby in a healthy so, environment? You pick up that crying baby, you put them on you, you hold them tight, you rock them back and forth, and you're providing that sensory motor response to bring about soothing and calming. And, and that actually develops neural pathways. Mm. And it develops a sense of security and de develops their brain. It's not just for the immediate, it's over the long term. And the way the brain develops between birth and two, all these neural pathways are being developed. And it's, it completely is a hot mess by the time they're two. Their brain looks like spaghetti noodles. Right. But then the brain becomes organized from two to six uh, through patterned, predictable, and rhythmic experiences and relationships. Okay. So the organized brain can start to think and make decisions and, and uh, respond to stimuli and say, oh, I don't need to be afraid of that. Are we that sensitive? Are we noticing what causes a person to move into brainstem function? Mm -hmm. And then are we willing to enter into that relationship with them where they're at and walk with them in the process of moving out of their brainstem into their cognitive ability. Well, I think that's what trips most people up, though, is because they don't feel like they have the time nor that they want to take the time because that's messy and I might not know what I'm doing and can I really be of assistance? Um, or what if they start asking too much of me or I'm in over my head? Like there is a whole host of... Right. Um, you know, excuses that come into play. And so we, we just step aside though and live as a silo. Yeah. We isolate because yeah. other people's mess is scary. And here's the thing, like somebody who's endured trauma, that's an isolated trauma situation or long-term trauma defined as anytime they've, they're in a situation in which they feel afraid. And in, in a family, one person could feel afraid and another person can't. So right. it can also be subjective. Um, but at any time trauma has occurred and continues to occur, uh, your ability to, to use literally your brain mm -hmm. diminishes. But the way the brain can heal is through relationship. So looking at this, you know, and thinking about like, what does trust look like and how do we develop it? Yes. Right. Yeah. Cause that's, that's the first step is that we have to have some level of trust. It requires a kind of a twofold process to build trust. One, we have to have a, a trust built relationship with God. If we're mm -hmm. going to do it from a biblical perspective, right? So uh, do we trust that God is who he says he is and will do what right. he's going to do? Do we trust that his word is our guide that that's where we get our mar marching orders from. Right. So that when we start looking at our relationship with others, which is, you know, let's say horizontal through mm -hmm. the relationship we have with God, which is vertical, then what we're doing for others isn't so much about what we're getting, but what we have the opportunity to give. Yes. Right. And so a real telltale sign about what, your relationship style is like mm -hmm. and what you're looking for from relationships. If you have frustration, disappointment, discontentment, because you don't see fruit. 
Yeah. It like you said it, the reward, right? If if you're not feeling the return on investment and you're irritated, you're not actually investing in kingdom work at that point. Right. You're investing in self-serving work. Right. Because the ultimate reward is knowing that we are following God's commands to love those around us. Yes. You know, we, we touched on that on the other podcast in first John yes. and this call to just pour out love on other people. And when we're doing that, um, there's that sense of, of God saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. And yes. that is where our reward is found. And you're right. It can be then, you know, we have to be careful that we don't enter into those unhealthy relationships where we're looking to, to assist somebody else and to come alongside them for a pat on the back or the thank you so much, or I couldn't live without you. All those kind of like statements, then all of a sudden they're feeding into our ego or need to be um, seen, right? to be right. wanted. And that's dangerous territory. <laughs> right. Which I talk about in the mentor training. Mm-hmm. It's you have to uh, assess your own heart and yes. your own motive, have an honest evaluation of yourself because it can't be about what you're getting. It has to be about what you're willing to give. And so, you know, when, when I've, when I've taught on this topic of true connected relationships before I've, I've gone to Romans 12 kind of as an overarching Mm-hmm. perspective on our responsibility in the body of Christ, which I think is worth looking at and kind of reading through overall. Um, it, it, it doesn't tie word for word to the trust, respect, understanding, and empathy. It's more like the big picture. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. This explains why this is important to figure out whether we use the word true or not. Here's the word of God, and it's what it tells us about being in community with other believers. Right. And so um, picking up at verse, uh, let's see, verse 12. I'm going to do some summary on this. Uh, And I think, well, I'll start with verse 1. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find accessible, acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So, you know, here is a new way of thinking that we're proposing. Mm -hmm. That, uh, like you said in the beginning, we might be well connected, but are we truly deeply connected in relationship with one another? And is this a place where we have to ask God, change our thinking about this and right. then change how we're living so that we participate fully in his kingdom work. So then verse three says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think that you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. And so that's just foundational for showing up in a relationship, right? I mean, if we're going to be uh, trustworthy, if we turn the word trust into trustworthy, we have to be men and women of honor and integrity. Mm-hmm. And, and honor and integrity starts with, let's not be deceiving ourselves about our own stuff, right? Deal with our issues and be, be humble before God in that. So that when we enter into relationship with another human being, 
they, they can feel safe at being authentic and humble with us. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and don't be self-seeking in all of this. You know, it's, this is a, this is a sacrificial call in my estimation of if we don't think that we're better than we really are, it puts us on a level playing field. Right. But haven't you ever met the, the people who are like, let me come help you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That is not going to work. Yeah. You know, and they want to come alongside you in relationship or they, they appear to. Yes. All for the standpoint of them imparting their wisdom upon you. Right. Or, or bringing you to the next level. And it's like, no, you know, I need you to walk beside me, but I don't need you to, to, to point your finger at me every time and make me feel like I'm lesser than. Exactly. I'm not as spiritual you as you because I struggle with this or on and on. Right. So even like just laying yourself down at the altar mm-hmm. before you ever go show up in a relationship with somebody else and saying, God, I got to get real with you before I go join you in your work. Mm-hmm. And that's the important part because verse four says, just as our bodies have many parts and each of us has a special function, so it, and each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And there's that word belong. Mm-hmm. Like that's the deepest desire of our hearts is to belong. Right. And, and where better to belong than the body of Christ. And we will break off those connections if we don't show up in humility and honesty with each other. Yeah. Well, and Paul unpacks this, you know, later in his letters about the whole body of Christ and that, that the head is not any more important than the arm or the legs, that every single piece of the body is vital and important for the functions that it serves. And, you know, so he's, he's just touching the surface of this, but in context with everything, it's that reminder, like you said, like we were all on level playing, playing, playing field, whatever, you know, we are all sinners and fall short of God's glory. So let's do life together. Yes. Support one another in a healthy way, but not in an authoritative way. Exactly. And and here, here, you know, he, I like how he unpacks it in this next section because he basically says, here are the gifts that you show up with. Mm -hmm. And so how can all these gifts find their place in this body. And so how does this look as I read this list, kind of be thinking about how are these gifts being used in a family? How are they being used in a workplace, in a ministry, in a community? And so Paul says, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. If God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you a gift of leadership abilities, take the responsibility seriously. If you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. I think as as you were reading that, what went through my mind is this trust, as we talked about. I mean, it's always, like you said, uh, vertical with God and horizontal with each other. But we have to trust God that he's given us the gifts that he wants us to use. Yes. Yes. Because because I, you know, you can read through this list and be like, oh man, I wish I was more generous or I wish I had that gift. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't mean that we can't cultivate 
all of these things within us, this spirit, but he is naturally given us based on our wiring. We've talked a lot about that and our personalities to, to have certain abilities that nobody else has. Yes. And so we have to trust him that those abilities are enough and that we don't have to go searching for other things and, and looking around or trying to like run over here and become better at that. And that's what allows us then to build these trusting relationships with each other. Because first and foremost, we're trusting God with who he's made us to be. Excellent. Absolutely. I I can think of specifically, I've said this in the past, I've really learned about how to serve through watching my husband who has Mm -hmm. a huge gift of serving from behind the scenes Mm -hmm. and, and at the farm, um, I would say there are three women at the farm who serve tirelessly and put me to shame. Like, and it sort of drives me nuts because (laughs) I don't even think to do what they're doing when they're doing it. And, and I, I bet there's like a bubble over my head that God can see, but nobody else can, which is like, Oh, 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 can I help? You know, like they're already doing it before I say, well, what can I do? (laughs) You know, and it would be easy to feel less than Mm -hmm. because that doesn't register for me. But then there are days that they'll turn to me and they'll be like, how do you do that? Because I could pick up a conversation with one of the kids. I can lead an organ, you know, I can lead and teach a concept on the fly. And they're like, don't make me do it, you know? And, and so the reality is, look at, we are all needed. Yeah. It can't depend on just one person. It requires the entire body in that case doing their part. But I think this is what separates us sometimes because we get tripped up on that. I just was talking to one of my girls who's graduated and has gone on and I love it when they become more like friends after they graduate yeah. and they're not students anymore. But uh, she has been accepted to like um, work in a, with a worship team. Like it's a, it's kind of a scholarship position. And she texted me and was like, do you think I should do it? And I was like, of course you should, you know, like, I think this is a great opportunity and I have total faith and confidence in her. And yet, like she went to the retreat thing with all the other people and was texting me and being like, oh my word, I am so out of place. I don't fit. All these people are incredible musicians. And what am I doing here? And how do I get out of it? Mm. <laughs> you don't get out. No. Yeah. Right. So it was like, okay, let's talk about this a little bit more. But I think that's all of us. I mean, I know I do it, you yeah. know, and because we see something that somebody else has a gift in and we feel inferior. Yeah. And so we say, Oh, I'm just going to take a step backwards. Yeah. And you know what you just described at the farm, like it'd be so easy for you look at those women and go, Oh my word, like they're pouring in and I'm not even seeing this. And they look at you though and go, how do you do that? Yeah. And it'd be easy though, then to pull apart. Yes. Because we feel intimidated Mm-hmm. or we feel like we should be better at that or all these things that we tell ourselves should, should, should. Yeah. And it's such a fight. Like such a fight. It's such we- a fight mentally. And I know this goes back to, you know, we've talked about transforming the way we think, yeah. but it does. It goes back to then like, okay, I'm reading Romans again, which God says, I have a place. He's given me gifts. He's given me abilities and I am going to serve and use that as my 
my living sacrifice for him. That's my way of worship. Yes. And I'm pushing away all this comparison. I'm pushing away everything else and trusting God says about me is enough. Yes. It is our invitation into community, into connected relationships by trusting that God has ordained it. Mm -hmm. And and so it's interesting because this word trust is, is really like I started to say, it's twofold. It's trusting God Mm -hmm. before, because we can't trust that God's can work in us or through us in relationship. If we don't, if we don't have that, we're going nowhere fast. Yeah. But then we also have to, in relationship, be trustworthy. Right. Uh, in order to develop those kinds of relationships. And so before we even read this next verse uh, nine, I want to mention just a couple of verses that I feel like really <laughs> remind us of what the word God, the word of God says about honesty and integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, with him and with each other. So Psalm 51, six says, but you God desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom, even there. Mm. Like there is not a day of our life that God doesn't call us into honesty Yeah, about ourselves. And Paul describes this here, have an honest evaluation of yourself. Right. Proverbs uh, two, seven says he grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. Mm. He's a shield to those who walk with integrity that that fear of entering into deeper relationships with people mm-hmm. can be um, soothed or quieted by knowing that we're walking with integrity before God. And I think right. of integrity of uh, our words and our actions are aligned. And from a biblical perspective with the word of God, when people are looking at us and when people are not. Yes. So integrity is what you do when nobody is looking. Uh, and you know, um, I think this next point, Proverbs eleven thirteen, is huge in terms of being a, a woman who is trustworthy and full of integrity. It says, "A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep confidence." Mm-hmm. And so, uh, what conversations are we having about Janie when we're talking with Mary? Um, makes Mary wonder about what conversations were happening when we're not with Mary, right? Like, like we a gossip is going to undermine trustworthiness. Yes. And that's hard in, in community relationships, right? Um, Proverbs 25, uh, 13 says, trustworthy messengers refresh like snow in summer. Mm. They revive the spirit of their employer. I mean, just this being trustworthy is a gift yeah, that we give other people. Well, because it says when we when we are when we are trustworthy, we are essentially saying that they are important and they matter. Yeah. And who they are and their struggles or their stories and what they share is valuable. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Mm -hmm. So, and it's hard. I mean, Paul, going back to Romans nine, I mean, Romans chapter 12, verse nine, we get all these do's and don'ts. And I love Paul. He's always so black and white. Right. So verse nine says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. And this starts to kind of unpack this idea of respect. 
So we cultivate respect in our relationships through giving honor to one another, not because of what they have done for us or how right. they're personally living, but because they are a masterpiece made in the image of God. Exactly. And so I think of Ephesians 2.10 that says that, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Yeah. And that word masterpiece, maybe in, in various translations, handiwork, workmanship, mm-hmm. like we are respecting another individual, not because of the choices they've made, not because of their behavior, not because of their accomplishment, right. but simply because they are made in the image of God. Right. And that is enough. Right. And you can see how this would cross over in the horsemanship world of choosing to respect a horse, not because they're made in the image of God, but because they are God's created animal. Right. And there is, they are a living, a living thing. Creature. Yes. Living creature. Which and, God uh, originally gave dominion to, you know, Adam. Yeah. Even, take care of this is your world. Yes. And he still gives us that ability, even in this fallen state of take care of my creation. Yeah. Which is huge. And so part of that, of that taking care in creation could even go into verse 11 here, never be lazy, but work hard and serve yeah. the Lord enthusiastically. She goes back to the beginning of, of these relationships that we're cultivating have to be in service to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, keep on praying when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Uh, always be eager to practice hospitality. And so I I find that interesting that hospitality ends up in uh, In this list. Yeah. In this list, as opposed to the list of gifts, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. So hospitality is not Martha Stewart uh, or, or the modern day version would be Joanna Gaines, right? Yes. True. It's not decor. It is, it is countenance. It is warmth, warmth, making a place for people. And, and that happens by trust, respect, and now moving into this understanding mm-hmm. concept. And well, and if you think about like Joanna Gaines, you're right. But honestly, like anytime, if you've read anything or watched, she's so warm. Like yeah. I could imagine just like being at Magnolia and meeting her, you know, like, and yeah. I really think she would just have a conversation because she, that's what exudes even more so than her how she decorates and all of her beautiful aesthetics. (laughs) I know. Well, and I truly believe that the reason why she is as popular as she is, is because the light of Christ is the most attractive part of her. And so how she's decorated um, is representing her brand, but it's attractive because it's brand Jesus. Yep. Well, and it goes back to, you know, people are longing for that that connection and they see that warmth. Yeah. Like, and so they're drawn to her as a person, which in turn her brand, but yes. Yes. So verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God would bless them. And I really think that getting to a place of praying for people who hurt us requires a supernatural ability to pull back. Yeah. And look at life from their perspective. Right. Is both the understanding and empathy component right. of this model. So if understanding 
uh, I think of that as twofold again, in that we are seeking God to give us the gift of understanding. Yes. While also seeking to become a student of the people that we're in relationship with. Mm -hmm. So a student of God's word, a student of God's wisdom and a student of his creation. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I love, um, Psalm 119, 34 says, give me understanding and I will obey, obey your instructions. I will put them into practice with all my heart. Like that's the cry of a true connected relationship. God, help me understand your way and, and your people that I may pursue with all my heart. Yeah, because we cannot genuinely love and invest in people unless it, the Holy Spirit is in us. Yeah, like just on our own, we're we're too selfish. Yeah, just yeah. so to step outside of ourselves and to bring peace and healing and restoration into relationships and connection—that's only through God's power working in us. Only through that. And I'm going to go to Proverbs two and read uh, the like it's like the first eleven verses because. Understanding isn't something that we muster on our own. It's, it's a gift that God gives us. And it says that here, my child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver and seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom from his mouth comes, uh, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding for he grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. And he is a shield to those who walk with integrity. There's that integrity. Mm -hmm. All it's, it's so hard to parse out trust, respect, understanding, and empathy. Yeah. They are so, um, I don't know what the word is interconnected. Yeah. Right. He guards the path of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Then you will understand what is right, just, and fair, and you will find the right way to go. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you, and understanding will keep you safe. Solomon uses understanding a lot in this verse. Yes. Passage, I mean. Yeah. Understanding, understanding, understanding. It's critically important to God. And again, it's that understanding who God is and how he says to live while mm -hmm. we seek his understanding for his creation mm -hmm. and choose to go deeper into relationship with yeah, those that God has given us. And mm -hmm. for me, I know uh, we've talked about this before, but the, the benefit of personality assessments and mm -hmm. I use the Highlands Ability Battery, which is uh, a tool that has really helped me have perspective on my children. I'll give you a, I'll give you a little story before we finish the rest of this passage and move into um, empathy. So uh, Kay and I are working with a horse that she has been given the opportunity to ride and do some training with as well. Okay. Uh, and this horse is a rescue horse and she has quite uh, the traumatic backstory of what she's been through. So we are hyper vigilant to become students of, of this pony right? and to understand every point of her resistance, every spook, every move that causes her stress. We're asking the question, why, what, you know, what is happening with her here? 
where is the point of pain? And so one of the issues we've had has been that she doesn't want to stand at the mounting blocks for Caitlin to get on and ride her, which is kind of a standard protocol for a horse. Like this is like a necessary thing. And so uh, she would for a time let somebody hold her while Caitlin would mount, but was clearly resistant. And yet once Caitlin was on her, lovely time together. So what was it that was causing her to create apprehension? What was going on in her brainstem? We don't know. We'll never know. She's not going to verbally tell us. So what do you do in a situation like that? Well, we're breaking it down. So what we did is uh, we didn't put any tack on her and kept um, her halter on and used what's called clip-on reins. So there's no bit in the mouth, no leather around her, there's no saddle on her. And we just took her down, uh, you know, Caitlin had on her riding helmet for safety reasons, right? We took her down and we just spent an hour around the mounting block. Mm. Uh, First walking in big circles around it, then walking close to it, Mm. then walking close to it and Caitlin would step up on it. And every time uh, this pony would pull back or resist in some way, instead of pulling and insisting, which is an a school of horsemanship that we don't subscribe to, we stopped and paid attention to the point of resistance Mm -hmm. and then applied a little bit of pressure in the form of, uh, you know, a little pull or a little tap. Uh, And so horses respond to pressure on their rear. So if you kind of look at their rear and at one point, Caitlin's arm extended without even touching became a point of pressure and this horse would move forward. So we're breaking down this entire process Mm -hmm. to try to parse out where's the point of pain. Mm -hmm. And then how do we help this horse find courage in that point of pain and, and with positive reinforcements, with treats, like we're just working through it. And so I share all that because explaining to Caitlin, the human (laughs) in this situation, of how we needed to go through this training model was something she had never been through before. Right. And she didn't understand it. And she, but how is this going to work? How do I know? How do I know? How do I know? And I was like, okay, I'm going to give you a hypothetical of what this will look like. Right. And then a hypothetical of how we will cross it at each point. Now, that's annoying. Like, can we just go and show up and, uh, and we'll just do and you'll discover. But understanding my daughter a human being made in the image of God is to realize she needed some framework to be able to enter into the process. And while it might not be necessary for me, it was necessary for her. And I was able to like paint a a picture, like an agenda. This is what it was going to look like. And then that gave her the ability to enter into the experience Mm And, and have some independence and success on her own and have us work together more effectively. You're, and you're right. Like that really ties the understanding and empathy together because you chose to take the time to understand your daughter and where she was coming from and her need for her, from her personality to have certain questions answered before she got started. Yes. And empathize with the fact that that, that, that's how she operates and that it was hard for her to just jump in. Like she needed something before she could get started. But all of that takes time. Yes. That's my, that's the point of the whole story. So for her, she had to adjust her understanding to the need of the horse. 
yes. and realize this is going to take time. Right. And she was going to have to sacrifice, which meant she wasn't going to ride. That was not the part of the plan. She right. would not mount the horse in the first session of doing this. Mm -hmm. uh, I had to take time to explain mm -hmm. to her and have understanding and compassion on her as we were kind of moving through this process. And, and so then it goes back to this bigger picture of to have true connected relationships is we need margin space. We yep. need downtime. We need to be less scheduled and less rushed and have less agenda to be able to find time to connect with trust, respect, understanding, empathy. Yep. So here we are back at this, um, this last part, you know, uh, verse 15, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Goes back to that honest evaluation. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Back again to those mm -hmm. original concepts. Do all that you can do to live in peace with everyone. And I want to go to this last point on empathy because I think this is the biggest okay. part of it actually uh, so we demonstrate empathy towards each other when we're willing willing to feel the feels right it's the emotional component uh, and to connect on an emotional level so empathy is not the same thing as sympathy correct sympathy is sorrow for somebody's situation and also a desire to fix it and to alleviate this, the, the problem. Empathy is having the ability to identify feelings and be willing to sit in those feelings with another person. And, and right here, Paul says it, uh, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, that's hard. That's inconvenient. Yep. And yeah, and yeah, I can't tell you, like, I still remember the first time that I kind of had that sense that I walked with somebody and I didn't even know this woman. Like I was at a, it was a women's retreat. And I remember I kept like looking out in the audience as we were leading and singing and talking and stuff. And there was this one woman who was just sitting there and she was smiling a little bit, but she'd just look at us, but wasn't engaging in singing or worshiping. And, but I just felt like there was something up. And I mean, she was definitely probably like 20 years older than me. Anyways, later that day at the camp where the, the retreat was happening, I saw her sitting by herself. I'd gone for a walk. Um, Randy was actually there. My husband was with me because he was running sound. We're a team duo. Anyways, so I stopped though and introduced myself and um, he, he got the hint really quick because we started talking. So he left. But I still remember sitting on this bridge with her and her saying how much she appreciated the, the music and how it was just getting her thinking. And then she just like unloaded all of the struggle with her. Her son had committed suicide years ago. Another one was kind of estranged, you know, just trying to figure out and this healing of where she was with God. And, and I ended up like... I don't remember if I sat there, you know, she started crying and I don't remember if I teared up then or like afterwards, but I remember crying that day mm -hmm. and walking away and telling God, I want to feel this again, even though it like hurts in that moment, I walked away and said, God, I want to feel like that. 
I want to feel what these other women and kids are feeling like, you know, and it can be, it can be a heavy burden. I mean, you and I've talked, there are times that I call you and I'm like, Lisa, there's this child and I just don't know what to do with them. And it hurts. It hurts to know what they're walking through. And yet, I don't know, there's something so special about though, like what you understand about God and how much he feels for us when you allow yourself to feel for somebody else. Yeah. Allow yourself to go there, not because of your own goodness or anything, but because God has just placed this, this passion for his children and this desire to be there and to be his servant. It's the most amazing and incredible thing on the planet. Like you're joining with him to love his kids as much as he loves them. And I say kids, meaning any, any sage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jesus models it for us. I mean, it's so easy to think that Jesus didn't feel the feels and didn't have emotions. Right. As a family, we've been reading through the book of John and my son actually was the one that stopped us in this particular passage uh, the in John 11, where it's talking about Jesus and, and Lazarus being raised mm-hmm. from the dead. And so I went back and, and looked at it, and I'm just going to read a couple of the verses because we see so much emotion from Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it says, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, so those are emotions, mm-hmm. what did Jesus do? It says, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. And w- my my son said, wow, so it's not wrong to feel angry. It's, and I said, no. He goes, ah, it's what you do in your anger. That's the problem. Ah, and Yes, that's why the scriptures say, no, do not let the sun go down on your right. anger. Right. And so it continues in this passage in John. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. So his tears are evidence of his deep love. Which goes back to the connection and relationship. Like he had, you know, his relationship with Mary, Martha and Lazarus. Yes. Like they were friends. I mean, he obviously, he loved his disciples, but like there was a, there was an intimacy with this family and this, that he could step aside from ministry and come stay at their home. Yes. And that there was hospitality offered to him and that he could rest and he could feel, you know, at home with them. Like there was something special. I think, I think that's so true. And I think it raises a good point. I mean, I think some of us are given the gift of being empathetic more than others, more sensitive souls. Are you right? And so there, there could have been a time and a place in my life where every hard and horrible post on my Facebook wall about somebody's sickness, somebody's death, somebody's mm-hmm. trial would elicit really strong emotional feelings. Right. And I've gotten to a place where that doesn't happen as much. And I, sometimes I'm concerned that I've become a little disassociated. And, and I think it's true that we are so pummeled with hard things all the time with people that we're not connected to right? that our brains have to kind of shut down and pull back because we can't handle all that we're being exposed sure. to. But when we have those deep emotional responses to people that we are close with, I think that's evidence of emotional health and connectedness in relationships. Mm-hmm. And when we don't have a response to somebody that we're really close with, I would say it begs uh, 
further research into why am I not responding emotionally? Right. Do I not know how to process my emotions? Do I not know, um, am I wounded in some way? Mm -hmm. uh, do, I, do I just lack an emotional vocabulary? Because that's actually a thing. I mean, this is something we've been studying as a family. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes. There, there's a tool called the emotions wheel. Okay. Uh, and there's a particular website that I, I don't endorse this website or, or their organization whatsoever, but they have the most beautiful wheel to look at. Okay. And, and what you do is uh, there's three layers to the wheel the inner circle, the media, the middle circle, and the outer circle. Mm -hmm. And so say, for example, uh, I feel angry. Well, let's, let's parse that down a little bit more, like what feels angry. And so you can follow uh, a number of choices uh, in the middle uh, circle of the wheel. And so it says enraged, exasperated, irritable, envious, and disgusted. Hmm. And then say we go with irritable, break that down a little further, are you agitated or are you annoyed or aggravated? Hmm. And so by using this for somebody who has a hard time understanding emotions and feeling emotions and lacking an emotional right. vocabulary, you grab this tool and say, I feel angry and you go from there. Uh, and, and then for people like me who feel all the emotions on the outside of the <laughs> wheel, like every 60 seconds, I have to pay attention to what it's coming from the other direction. So right. If I am, I use the word, I'm disappointed. And let's see if I find it on the wheel. So disappointed was how I feel, but I was being accused of being angry. Uh, so I could take this and say, no, I, I know what's coming out may look like anger, but I'm disappointed and disappointed is in sadness. Right. Right. So that's not mad at you. That's sad. Mm -hmm. uh, and so just using the emotions wheel can help break down what's going on in the feels. Mm -hmm. And then that can help build empathy and empathy builds connection. That's when good. people feel their emotions are recognized, they feel heard and seen. It's pretty amazing. And so back mm -hmm. to Romans 12 again. Do all that you can do to live in peace with, with everyone. Back it up to verse nine. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Yep. Back it up to don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. And it kind of starts to tie it all together. That components of healthy relationships in the body of Christ include trust, respect, understanding, and empathy. Beautiful. Kind of amazing, right? Mm -hmm. I love it. So I know. So good. Will you close us out in prayer? I will. Heavenly Father, uh, we come to you and we just praise you for who you are and for how you've given us all of these principles within your word. And Lord, as we continue to study the Bible and as we continue to engage in and read other books or, you know, come under other programs like Lisa has with the equine assisted therapy, there are so many ways that you have put things in our path that ultimately point us back to the truth of your word. And yet they're tools and they're resources that you've given us to help us to develop into the women that you want us to be. So may we um, be mindful of the things that we're absorbing. May we spend time with you each and every day. 
And may we just, as we do that, may we form deep and lasting connections with each other that we might support each other and help help one another to grow into all that you have planned for us to be. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, my friend, for joining me today. I love being with you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the More To Be podcast. We are praying you experience a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us. If you'd like to show your support for the ministry of More To Be and our podcast, we'd love for you to become a More To Be Sisterhood member. You'll be blessed with our signature courses and resources while being a blessing to others. To learn more, visit moretobe.com slash podcast for a special link. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.